nice that they use their talents for the Lord. Amen. Thank you so much. I don't want to really preach today, but I'd like to leave some thoughts with you. That if you have a pen or a pencil, I'm going to do them mostly on the PowerPoint. And I have a PowerPoint thing that you can get a copy of if you wish. I'll leave it here and you can take it home. Because what I'd like you to do this morning is take these verses and really read them. In the quietness somewhere with the Lord. Amen? And just meditate on the Word. Memorize the Word. Meditate on the Word. Verbalize the Word. Sing the Word. That's what you were doing. You were singing. And you know that singing is an evidence of filling of the Spirit. Speaking to yourselves in songs and hymns and spiritual songs. That's in the context of being filled with the Spirit. Joyfulness and singing is an evidence of being filled with the Spirit. Thankfulness is an evidence of being filled with the Spirit. Submission, husband's wife, wife to husband's, is also in the context of being filled with the Spirit of God. But that's not the message. I'm just... That's a preamble, okay? <laughs> I want to talk to you if I can, Matthew, if I can get this running. Matthew, it's not running. <laughs> Matthew, it's not running. Put the space bar. Matthew, is running. <laughs> this is what I want to talk to you about. All of us, I'm talking about me too. Guarding your what? Your heart. That's an important thing. So we're going to talk about that this morning. If you have your Bible, it's going to take me a long time. There's 176 verses in Psalm 119. So that's going to be a long sermon. No, just joking. Of course not. But look at Psalm 119, and then we'll ask the Lord to bless his word here. Verse 9. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way by taking heed according to thy word. With my whole heart, with my whole heart have I sought thee. O let me not wander from thy commandments. Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. Blessed art thou, O Lord, teach me thy statutes. Instruct me, guide me, help me, teach me your statutes, so that I don't wander away from them. So, <clears throat> with my lips have I declared all the judgments of thy mouth. I have rejoiced in thy way of thy testimonies as much as in all riches. Then I will meditate in thy precepts, and I will have respect unto your ways. I will delight myself in thy statutes, and I will not forget in thy word. Amen. Amen. Will you pray before we start? Thank you, Lord, once again for the privilege to come and listen to your word. We ask that you will be blessed, that you will guide and direct John as he brings his message, and each of us will receive it for ourselves. 
It might be very plain and straightforward speaking this morning, but I'm not here to hurt you. I'm here to help you. I'm saying these things because we need to guard our hearts. Amen? Amen. They're not... They're not given to you to go away home and think, well, he was preaching at me today. No, 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 please. Take the word of God in itself, what God gives to you, and then take it and feed on it. Amen? And I want to instruct and teach in that regard this morning. This is a very, very difficult subject, but it's one we all need. It's one the preacher needs. It's one the preacher needs every day. Every day. And when I say guarding your heart, the Bible's not talking about this heart inside here that pumps every day. How many times does it pump per minute? 72 times per minute. I'm 70 years old. It pumps Psalm 2.5 billion times in 70 years. So <clears throat> that's not, we're not talking about this heart. The Bible sometimes does speak of that as a physical heart, but primarily is always speaking about a spiritual heart. And that spiritual heart is this. It's your intellect, it's your emotions, and it's your will. That's your heart. Your intellect, your emotions, and your will. You'll see it constantly in the Word of God as you read the context of each verse. You'll see what he's speaking about. Is he speaking about the will? Is he speaking about our emotions? Is he speaking about our intellect? You'll see that as you go along. So I would suggest to you this morning this. It's not working, Matthew. I have to work it here. If the citadel be taken, the whole town must then surrender. So, in like manner, if the heart be seized, the whole man with his thoughts, his affections, his, his desires and motives and pursuits will be yielded up. If you give up ground, you're going to be in a little bit of a predicament. So, stand as a sentinel at your heart's door. Amen? Stand as a sentinel at your heart's door. Don't fall asleep at your post. You ever see a sentinel falling asleep at his post? I have sometimes seen them on the television as they stand at Buckingham Palace. I saw one the other day and he slipped up and he fell. <laughs> Getting into his post. Stand at your post. Amen? Be a sentinel. At, your, at the door of your heart. With all diligence, keep your heart, for out of it are the issues of life, said the Proverbs. So keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. This responsibility lies with us. Please listen. Satan is trying to feed our minds. He's trying to destroy and corrupt and pollute your thinking. I hope you understand that when you look at the television and when you look at the ads and when you look at the, the things that you see on the internet. My friend, listen. They're trying to pollute your thinking. They're trying to go after your mind and corrupt your thought processes. And one of the wicked devices he uses today, and you know and I know, and it's sad to say he uses what we call pornography. This is not something you see any longer on on pick up in a, or pick up in a black alley somewhere, it has gone mainstream. It's a tidal wave of sludge that has infiltrated not only our homes, but is spreading like an uncontrollable disease worldwide. 
Our moral standards and our values are under attack. If you didn't notice it, they're under attack constantly and more so today, Hank, than ever before. And you and I need to guard our minds so that we can protect our own lives, that we can protect our homes, we can protect our children from the sludge that's coming down of garbage that we see. And our nation, we need to pray for it too. For there's an onslaught of evil today like never before. Satan knows his time is short. And we're going to see that more as the, as the days are getting closer. The Bible has much to say about the mind. As, as I said, sometimes he's referring to it as the heart. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23 says, Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Then we read in Proverbs 23, verse 7, listen, as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. And a business motto said this about that verse, you're not what you think you are, but what you think you are. You see how important the thought life is? Proverbs 15, verse 16. Are they coming up for you? Good. Proverbs 15, 16, what does it say? The, the thoughts, this is your part of your heart. The thoughts of the wicked are an abomination to the Lord. Now mark this down. The word heart in your Bible is 955 times written there. You got that 955 times. Do you think God wants us to take concern about our hearts? 955 times. Yes, he does. It's an amazing statement. And, and you, can, you can follow it through in a concordance, and you'll see that. Now, some people have done all sorts of things to see if they can protect their thought life. They have searched in caves. They walked in deserts. They've gone to remote islands. They have lived in the jungles. They've climbed mountains. They've lived as hermits. But they've not been able to control the thought life. But there is a way to do it, Emei. If one follows the biblical principles and obeys them, then you can keep your heart. Thank God that God doesn't give us it 955 times so that we can't keep it. He's wanting to instruct us and teach us that we can. Amen? That's the important thing. If you're a father, then you need to listen. If you're a mother, you need to pay attention. If you're a teen or a preteen, do not tune me out, please. Do not tune me out. Listen with both ears. <clears throat> One follows the biblical principles and obeys them. You can control your thought life. God gave us it so that we could. Here are the principles, and I've got five of them this morning. And believe me, we're going to go on turbo this morning, all right? Here's the first thing. I call it 955 times, by the way. The principle of what? Purification. Let's go back to Psalm 119 and verse 9. What does it say there? Here we go. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way by taking heed according to thy word. The word 
way in the verse. The word way is the Hebrew word orak. Say, I've done all the work for you. The Hebrew word is orak. Is this in your way? Can you see the point? The word is orak. You know what it means? It means a rut. Or it means a groove. Now think of the farmer plowing his field with his tractor, getting ready, right, for to get the seed in. He plows the field, does he not? He makes grooves. He makes ruts in the field so that when he comes after doing it and he comes back in to run through his field again, the tractor just sits very nicely into it and he can put it on automatic. It'll follow the groove. It'll follow the rut all the way through. Now listen. So Satan has put a groove in the minds of, of, of thinking people. He's put there a muddy rut. Some people call it a dirty track in their mind. As we say, they have a one-track mind. Don't you, you say that? They have a one-track mind. What do they mean by that? Have you ever been around people and what, whatever you say, they're going to bring something suggestive into the conversation? Do you ever have that happen? I've been in the workforce for years, and some of you, some of you are in the workforce right now, and there are people that make something obscene, something suggestive out of everything you try to say to them. You know why? It's a groove, it's a rut, and they're dirty thinking. Am I preaching again? Sorry, I don't mean to be preaching. It's just in the bones. <clears throat> Jeremiah chapter 11, verse 8. They, yet they obeyed not, nor inclined their ear, but walked every one of them in the what? In the imagination of their evil heart. Again, he's thinking of the mind. The heart being the mind. <clears throat> By the way, that's why God brought the flood in the first place. Imagination of man's heart was only evil continually. <clears throat> Matthew chapter 5, wonderful Beatitudes on the Mount of Olives, uh, Mount of <laughs> Beatitudes. Uh, we are, we're going there next year, by the way, if you want to come with us. We still have openings for the trip to Israel. And uh, you'll enjoy it if you go. Now, if you can't go yourself, send your wife. And if your wife can't go, you come. And if they can't come, either of them can't come, send your kids. Get them out of the road for a while. It'll be nice. <laughs> Guaranteed you would enjoy every minute of it. But Jesus gave us one of the most profound statements on the mind. Absolutely tremendous. These are the things you need to put into your mind. Blessed are the peacemakers. Eh? Blessed are those who are persecuted for what? Righteousness sake. Hmm. Those are good things. Those are the things you need to put in. And then work them out. Wonderful. Here's what he said. Matthew, oh, wrong one. Excuse me. Matthew 5 and verse 27. Yeah, there it is. You have heard 
that it was said of them of old. Listen to what he's saying now. Thou shalt not commit adultery. But I say unto you, that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery where? Already in his heart. You've done it in your thinking. That's why you need to guard this thing up here. We have to guard from mental adultery. That's what he's talking about. He's not talking about the physical act doing it. He's talking about the mental act doing it. Powerful statement. Absolutely powerful. Anyhow, Satan has not only put this rot in the minds of people, here's the thing. He's using various means to pull Christians into the groove as well. He's pulling Christians into the rut as well. That's why, beloved, you and I need to guard against Satan's strategies. We must be careful what we allow to enter the thought life. You must avoid getting into such a rut or groove. It will destroy your testimony. And who knows what else it will destroy. My friend, it will destroy your marriage. And it will destroy your children. And it's happening in the Christian circles. Because we don't guard our mind. You say, John, is it? I say, yes, I'm dealing with it, with people. I'm dealing with it all the time. Break up of homes. Break up of this and that. And normally when you go back to the bottom line, it's usually pornography is at the bottom of it. The thief cometh but for to steal and to destroy. That's his work. Now, I better move on. I don't mean to be preaching, excuse me. Psalm 119, verse 9. Wherewith shall a young man what? You need to think of the word cleanse. The word, the Hebrew word is zakah. The word means to be clean, to maintain purity of life. That's what he's saying here in the verse. You want to maintain purity of life. You want to be clean before God. This is what he's talking about in the word zakah. <clears throat> you remember John 15 the Lord said these words, verse 3, Now you are clean through the word which I have spoken to, unto you. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Sanctify them through the truth of the word of God. Uh, what word is Jesus using? He's using the word katharsos. Here's what it means. To be free from the admixture or adhesion of anything that soils or corrupts or adulterates. That's the word that Jesus is using. <clears throat> and then we go here to our verse, uh, uh, one of the key verses regarding cleansing. And I think this will be a help to you. Think of the Lord Jesus coming into your mind and doing spring house cleaning. Think of him cleaning out everything in your mind if it's not what it ought to be. Here's how that is done. Here's how it's done. Verse, verse uh, 1 John 1 verse 9. Here's the verse. It's katharizo. It's a different kind of uh, word to it. It's karthizo. Uh, karth it, uh, uh, it means to purify from wickedness, to free from defilement in a moral sense. That's what Jesus is really speaking about, and that's what John's speaking about when we read this word here. 
He says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from what? All unrighteousness. So the Greek word means to uh, free from defilement of sin in a moral sense. Do you want good news for a change? No matter what your thought life has been, no matter how vile, no matter how obscene, no matter how unclean, unpure, you can be in your thinking as pure as the driven snow. All unrighteousness can be cleansed. That's what John is saying. That's a wonderful truth. <clears throat> Here's how it happens. How does it happen? How does it happen? You must you must confess. There's where the victory is. You must confess and really mean it. You must confess. That's the key. Here's the Greek word. You, like, you think I like Greek words? I do. The word is homologeo. Homologeo. It's broken up into two words. Homo, the same. Logeo, to speak. To speak the same thing. You got it? To speak the same thing. When you're confessing, Sam, you speak the same thing. You speak the same thing as what God thinks about sin. And you're saying, I agree, Lord. That's what it means. Homologeo means that. My wife says, don't go over and point the people in their faces. That's not very good. <laughs> Homologeo simply means you agree with God when it comes to these issues. You're saying, Lord, I was wrong and you were right. I am agreeing with you. I'm confessing that I was wrong. But you're right. That's confession. That's making confession to God. I come over and I say to you, God, I've done it. It is wrong. And I say with you, God, what you say about that sin. That, my friend, is a confession. And once you make that confession, you're taking heed to God's word. And when you take heed to God's word, then he will cleanse you from all unrighteousness. By the way, twice in the text, that verse if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. You notice it's twice in the text. Sins. Not just sin. You've got to go in and clean house. Get rid of it all. Not some little bit of it. You have to get rid of it all. You want to be clean before God. And then the hymn writer put it this way. Once you do that, Hank, here's a lovely hymn now you can sing from your heart. You see, joy comes in the heart. <laughs> what can you sing in your heart once you confess, get a delus before God, and the fellowship's back, and you're walking back in the light of God again? What can you sing? Nothing between my soul and the Savior. Keep the way clean. Let nothing between. <laughs> and I'm preaching at me too. to say the same thing. Here's the second thing. The principle of determination. Now I told you this is not an easy sermon. You're looking at me and you're thinking, 
But do we need it? Yes. Does the preacher have to preach it? Yes, sometimes I don't like preaching these things, but you have to, amen? You have to do what God tells you to preach. You have to instruct that it helps people. Now, I look at the next verse of Psalm 119, verse 10. Have you got your Bible there? Look at this verse. <clears throat> With my whole heart have I sought thee, O oh, let me not wander from thy commandments. I know sitting here today, some of you may not have, will not have victory. Some of you will be going down, as they say. And the reason for that is because you take these things half-heartedly. Half-heartedly. Someone said this. <clears throat> no one has ever won a moral victory half-heartedly. You have to put your whole heart into it. As what the text says, Deuteronomy 4, verse 29. But if from thence thou shalt seek the Lord thy God, thou shalt find him if you seek him with what? Half-heartedly. I don't think so, Tim. You seek him with all the heart and with all your soul. He's really, really driving that home. James chapter 4, verse 8, draw nigh to God. He will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Daniel chapter 1. Who knows Daniel? Dare to be a Daniel. Dare to stand alone. And here's what Daniel did. Notice what it says in the text. Daniel what? He purposed in his heart. The word means he determined in his heart. He set his heart like cement. He's not going to budge. <laughs> Although he did it in a wonderful way. He worked with the people he was there with and he was able to not defile himself but he purposed in his heart not to do it. He was wholehearted. Wholehearted. Set your heart. Set it like cement. Be determined not to be moved. Remember Job 31.1, I made a covenant agreement, a pledge with mine eyes. Why then should I think upon a maid? The Hebrew idea is that I would not lust after a woman. Why? The eyes are the gateway to lust. <clears throat> they must be guarded too, just like the mind. Listen, beloved, please. Don't place enticing, sensual, lust-inducing images before your eyes. You can't even watch the television now and the ads come on. All I'm doing is watching ads now. You're not even watching a program. You're watching all these ads, but guess what? What comes up in the ads? It's always some lady with hardly anything on. What are they doing? They're trying to bombard your thinking to get your eyes, to get you on to lust, and you'll start thinking about that, and before long you'll be acting it out. Crazy. But they know what they're up to. 
They know what they're up to. Listen. God does business with those who mean business. Question. Would you be determined to be pure before God? Search me, O God, and know my heart today. Cleanse me, O Savior, and know my thoughts, I pray. And see if there be some wicked way in me. And cleanse me from every sin and set me free. You know who did that? Let me tell you who did that. Joseph did it. Was he victorious? Absolutely. Did he get the victory? Absolutely. Was he determined? Absolutely. He wasn't bent. He was like cement. He made a covenant with his eyes. Why? I will not do this wickedness and sin against my God. He wanted to keep a pure mind, yeah. Now, there's a little animal called the ermine. Anybody familiar with the ermine? You you know what it is? Now, there's some types of ermine. This particular ermine I'm talking about has a coat of snow white. It has a coat of snow white. And this particular ermine with a coat of snow white, what they would do with the little ermine when they were hunting it, they would find his hole where he would run to. And anyhow, what they would do at the hole was they would smear filth around the hole, something vile, something dirty, something defiling. And then the dogs would hunt the ermine. And as they're hunting him, he would escape. He would try to escape to his hole and get back into his hole. And he would run as fast as he could to get away from them. But when it would see that filth, the filth outside the, the hole, he would realize it would defile his snow white coat and he wouldn't be able to go into the hole. And he wouldn't go into the hole. He would rather defile. He would not defile himself, but he would turn and face the dogs and fight to the very death. Rather than soil his coat. James says, be unspotted from the world. Don't, don't soil your coat. Don't soil your coat. Be like this little animal, the little ermine. He wouldn't soil his coat. Does purity mean that much to you? My friend, if it doesn't, you will go down, and you'll go down because you're only half-hearted. You're not firm. You're not like cement. Someone said this. You could put it as a motto over your desk or put a motto on your wall, and you could put this on, on it. He who would not fall down ought not to walk in slippery places. I think that's great advice. Keep yourselves unspotted from the world. Here's a third thing. So we've talked about a few things. We've talked about purification. We've talked about determination. And then, having said that, then we have to 
fortify ourselves in the things. We have to strengthen ourselves in those things. And now you have the principle of fortification. So how do you do that, John? Well, here's the next verse. Psalm 119, 11. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not. Now, it's obvious if you, if you refuse to let certain things into your mind, then you need to replace those things with something else. Nature, someone said this, nature. <clears throat> Sorry, that's not the one I want. Excuse me a minute. <clears throat> nature abhors a vacuum. That's what I'm looking for. D.L. Moody said, sin will keep you from this book, and this book will keep you from sin. Thoughts are the dress rehearsal for the deeds carried out. And uh, you've, heard, you've heard that said many, many times, and it goes like this. Here's how it goes. You sow a thought, you reap a deed. You sow a deed, you reap a... You sow a habit, you reap a character. You sow a character, you reap a destiny. When you memorize scripture, thy word have I hid in my heart. Scripture is the mind of God. Scripture is the word of God. And when you have scripture in your mind, what you're doing is you're thinking God's thoughts after him. That's nice. You're thinking God's thoughts after him. <clears throat> Don't be a casual reader of the Word of God. You know what a casual reader is like? He's like a bee flitting over the surface of a flower. He's just flitting over it. But to be a serious reader of the Word by memorizing it, that's like the bee going down into the heart of the flower and getting the nectar. <clears throat> And then the bee takes it to the hive, and then he makes honey out of it. And that just pictures for you and me the contemplative reader. He's the one who meditates on it. And he goes in, and he digs it out like the nectar, and he takes it to himself, and then he meditates on it, and then he thinks about it, and then he puts it into practice so it becomes fruitful in his blessing in his life. Just like the, heat, the bee gets the honey. We can learn a lot from the animals, you know. You meditate on the word. You hide it in your heart. To be used in defending yourself against the wiles of the devil. Let me remind you of this. That is absolutely exactly what Jesus did. When he faced Satan. In Matthew chapter 4. He had the word of God hidden in his heart. Did he not? Of course he did. And anyhow, <clears throat> he was able to use it, the sword of the Spirit, to defeat Satan. And it says, and then he left him. He's fortifying himself in the Word. That's how he gets the victory. <clears throat> Mr. James Allen said, Good thoughts bear good fruit, bad thoughts bear bad fruit, and man is his own gardener. And those are good thoughts. 
Here's the fourth thing, and I must run. Verse 13, Psalm 119. With my lips have I declared all the judgments of thy mouth. With my lips. You say, what's this business of verbalization? Verbalize it back to Satan when he starts at you. Verbalize it back. Memorize it. Meditate on it. Verbalize it back. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not what? Sin against thee. When that comes up, just verbalize it back. Do you know why I'm saying that to you? That's exactly what Jesus did. He's actually given us the example. What did he do? Did he verbalize? It is written. It is written. It is written. But it was already in his heart. He already knew it. He memorized it. He meditated upon it. Now he's verbalizing it. And he quotes Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy. And then the devil left him. Verbalization of the word of God when you get into situations. Jesus, give us a wonderful. I'm preaching again, sorry. <laughs> Verbalization. Verbalize the word back. Thy word have I hid in my heart. Memorization, meditation is very important, young people. Older people. John, you listen. That's true. Psalm 40, verse 8. I delight to do thy will, O my God. Thy word, thy law is within my heart, said the Lord Jesus. <clears throat> Fortification. Verbalization. And then lastly, and I'm getting out of breath. <laughs> when Paul writes his letter to the Philippines, there's four chapters. And in each chapter, believe it or not, he's talking about the mind. <clears throat> and this is the principle of application. Philippians 1, he speaks of a single mind. Philippians 2, he speaks of a submissive mind. Chapter 3, a spiritual mind. And now he speaks in chapter 4, of a secure mind. <clears throat> I think Paul knew what he was about. Now, if you go to chapter 4, if you have your Bible, go to verse 8 and verse 9. Now, the Christian who fills his heart and mind with God's Word will have a built-in radar for detecting wrong thoughts. And so Paul, in order to compensate for wrong thinking, here's what Paul does. He gives us some application and he says, now listen, John, here's what you should think like. Let me just give you a few things to think about. You got it? Chapter 8, chapter 4, verse 8 and verse 9. And we're going to conclude with this, believe it or not. I'm just over a bit of time, but you, you always bear with me. This is where it's reinforced by way of application. <clears throat> so if you're writing notes, all of these points start with R to make it easy. 
All right? <clears throat> so the Christian who fills his heart and mind with God's words will have a built-in radar for detecting wrong thoughts. First of all, there's the what? The reliance test. Whatsoever things are true. Paul says, you want to put something in your mind that's good? Put something in that's true as opposed to that which is false. Put something true in. Can you rely on it? Is it true? Now we have a generation today that do not believe there's absolute truth. And so what happens there? They, they, they don't ask anymore, is it true? They ask, does it work? No, 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 is it true? It's not if it works, does it true? That's the character, he's, uh, that's the thing he's trying to point out. Whatsoever things are true, the reliance test. And then number two, <clears throat> the respect test. Whatsoever things are honest or whatsoever things are honorable, whatsoever things are respectful, whatsoever things are reverential, don't let anything that is dishonorable into your thinking. Think honestly, honorably, reverently, respectfully. This is good advice that he's given. Here's a third thing. The rightness test, whatsoever things are just. The word just means right. Whatsoever things, sorry, whatsoever things are straight. That means don't let anything in that is crooked, that is warped into your thinking. Think things that are straight, things that are just. Put those things in. And then he goes on to say this. The reverence test. Whatsoever things are pure. Now he's drawing the analogy here on the word pure. The idea here is free from contamination. And he's drawn from the Old Testament sacrifices. When a sacrifice was to put on the altar, it had to be without spot and without blemish. It had to be pure because you were bringing it to God. And Paul says, that's just the way your thoughts are. You're bringing them to God. Can he accept them? I think that's a wonderful idea he's bringing in. Reverence test. Whatsoever things are pure. That's what happened to Israel, David, in the book of Malachi. You know what they were doing? They were bringing offerings that were not pure to God. And God said, they stink before me. Sorry, Sam, I'm back at you. <laughs> Israel had lost their way for the reverence and holiness of God. My friend, don't lose your reverence and holiness for God. Please. If you don't like me after the sermon, that's okay with me. I'm only trying to tell you what is right, what is just, what is good what is pure, what is true, what is honest, what is just, what is lovely, what's of good report. If there is any virtue, if there is any praise, think on these things, said Paul. And then the God of peace will keep your heart and mind through Christ Jesus. Then you will have God's peace. Isn't that wonderful? You can say amen. Somebody said it over there. Whatsoever things are lovely, 
What does that mean, John? Let me tell you what that means. Now, I'm nearly finished. Please, bear with me. It doesn't mean beautiful to look at. It's a combination of two words. It's a word, pros, means towards, and phileo, to love. What does it mean? It means it's speaking about virtues that make believers attractive and winsome. They're of good report. Generosity. Kindness. Graciousness. Tenderness. That's the things. Put them in and then work them out. That's what he's saying. Things that are lovely. Things that God accepts. If you're thinking that way, that God can accept them, well, do a little kindness. Do a little generosity. There's somebody who have great needs. Some people can't make it from week to week. Bring them over some groceries. When I was at Bible school, my wife and I were there for three years. On our last year, we had nothing in the fridge and we had nothing in our freezer and we were totally down to the very bottom. And we come home one night from prayer meeting and somebody was sneaking away from our door in the dark. And when we got to the door, when we opened the door, there was three full boxes of groceries. Somebody put something in their thinking. And now they're acting it out in kindness. That's what he's talking about. Now you know all that. And we all know it. Let's really do it. Like the Nike says, just do it. Amen? Just do it. I'm challenging you. Do it and see what God will do in your life. See what God will do through you. Amen? Now we conclude. Now we conclude. I've said that about four times. Whatsoever things are of good report, that's the conclusion of the matter. Whatsoever things are high-minded, not low-minded. High-minded. Be careful what you listen to. And uh, Paul says, if there be any virtue... If there be any praise. Whatsoever things are, true. Whatsoever things are, come on. No? Who said that? Gabriel. Whatsoever things are true. Whatsoever things are? Whatsoever things are? Whatsoever things are? Pure. Whatsoever things are? Lovely. Whatsoever things are? If there be any virtue, if there be any praise, what does it say? Think on these things. Application. Application. I hope that encourages you for guarding your heart in these days. Shall we pray? Lord, as we said, search me, O God, and know my heart today. Try me, O Savior, and know my thoughts, I pray. Lord, is there any wicked thing, Lord, we pray, cleanse me and set us free. 
We give you glory. We give you praise. Lord, I don't know where the people's hearts are today. You know. But Lord, I pray the word of God will do his own work in its own way. And Lord, we'll see good fruit coming out of these things because we are our own gardeners. Help us to cultivate these things in our lives and the inner man so that we will guard our heart, so that we will keep it with all keeping, so that we will protect it with all protecting, and so that out of it comes the issues of life, and we pray that what comes out will be pleasing in your sight. And to that end, we give you all the praise and all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for coming. And I trust you will be encouraged through the word of God today. I'm not preaching at you. I'm just laying the groundwork for a life that will please God. Amen? Amen. Guard your heart.